1280 The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Hey, don't forget, we're giving away a seven-day, six-night stay at the Crane Resort in Barbados. Boy, Vio and Eric, the travel guy, are providing this incredible getaway for you and a guest. You can register daily between now and January 31st for your chance to win this vacation. Details at am1280thepatriot.com. Don't forget to pack sunscreen or whatever else you need for a vacation in the sun. For those of you who like warm weather in the winter, <laughs> whatever. 651-289-4488, uh, the number to call. So with us next, I, first of all, I just got to say first things first. It's my pleasure for the first time on this broadcast to introduce longtime friend, occasional guest host as this show for the first time live on the air as Representative Walter Hudson. Walter, welcome to the show. Congratulations on joining the legislature. And uh, I couldn't be happier to have you in St. Paul. Thank you, Mitch. It is a pleasure to be with you once again here on The Great One. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Appreciate that. Uh, so you had a Twitter thread this past week that I think I, I expected uh, untold horrors from this session of, uh, of of extremist DFL control in the Minnesota State Legislature, where the, the DFL has been bragging about having the trifecta all lamp, the governor, the House, and the Senate, for quite some time here. Uh, you ran through a thread this past week on social media that I want to really focus on here because uh, there's perhaps been the most chilling part of what's been a pretty dismal-looking session for conservatives, libertarians, supporters of life, supporters of liberty and freedom, quite frankly, in this session here so far. Uh, a, a bill that I can only describe as, uh, well, I'll let you describe it. You're talking about the, the DFL's approach to hate speech. Uh, why don't you recap that thread for us briefly, Walter, if you might. Yeah, so a little bit of background first. So this bill that we heard in committee, first of all, every bill that comes to us uh, for discussion in the committee, we get research summaries. Um, and, and, of course, the bills have description summaries at the top of them to say what they do. And what this bill says it does is that it adds categories uh, for expanding definitions and expanding categories for protection under the Human Rights Act. And so we're like, okay, well, it sounds relatively benign. But then you dig into the bill and buried deep inside of it, and not at all referenced in those summaries, is the fact that they want to set up a reporting mechanism at the Department of Human Rights for incidents. And by the way, when this bill was first presented, it had to be amended to, to have this effect, by the way. And it was amended quick in committee before, you know, it, it, was, it was actually quite lucky that I even noticed it. Yeah. Uh, because originally it was saying that they were going to record and report crimes that involved Ooh. incidents of bias. Yeah. They amended that language in committee to change crimes to incidents. Ooh. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean incidents? And then further in the, in the discussion, the committee became very clear that they wanted to document an official government database incidents which may not be crimes but are informed by some sort of bias based upon characteristics that may be actually or perceived to be associated with race or some other protected class. And part of the social media thread was you saying, okay, what is the definition? I mean, if I may simplify or, or summarize it for you briefly here, Walter, uh, is what is an incident? What, where, what's the, 
what's the baseline for what qualifies as an incident? Would it be reading a Bible verse, I believe, was your first quote, uh, was your first yeah. example. Did you, I hate to even ask, but the audience needs to know, did you ever get an answer for what qualifies as an incident under this proposal? Well, yes. I mean, I, I did get an answer. I didn't get a clear answer to that question. So my question was, if somebody were to post on social media a Bible verse uh, defining marriage, Right. as between one man and one woman, or, or a Bible verse that spoke in condemning terms regarding certain sexual proclivities. Yeah. Would that be, would that count as yeah. a reportable incident of bias under this bill? I did not get a clear yes or no answer to that question. But what I did get was a flowery, vague affirmation that, yes, virtually anything that any member of any protected class claims is biased against them will count as a reportable incident under this. So basically... Are hurt in public or private, you can report, and there will be an incident report on record about the hate incident that you endured. So, if this bill becomes law, and I think it's fair to say that it probably will, given the the geography of the, the legislature this time around here, the demographics of the legislature, sometime after after what the law goes into effect, my saying there are two sexes and uh, is could qualify me for a report and a position on this uh, a place in this in this database i think that's fair to say walter yeah no it's what this what this will do is it's providing a first of all it's providing them with a mechanism for legitimizing their narrative around hate speech as a growing threat that needs to be addressed by the state um because currently the the idea that there's this massive problem of hatred in Minnesota that the state has to do something about is pretty difficult for most of us to swallow because we live here and we work and we play and we go to school and we go to church and we know our neighbors and we're not surrounded by some climate of hate. And so the idea that this is a problem the state needs to do something about is pretty tough to swallow. But if they can conjure a bunch of metrics, um, legitimate or not, that validate their narrative, that's going to be very politically useful for them. The other thing it does, which is much more threatening, is it provides a pretext for government action in response to speech, in response to political beliefs, in response to religious tenets. This is the pretext for thought crime. Right. And in fact, when I saw your thread, the first thing I thought was this is the beginning of a social credit score for Minnesotans here. I just, is that a fair, uh, fair appreciation of, of, of what you saw, Walter Hudson? You know, when I saw your tweet about me coming on earlier today uh, and referencing a social credit system, I thought to myself, huh, yes. I didn't think of that. But that <laughs> is exactly what they are doing. Exactly. So let, 100%. Let, let me get a few details because I do definitely want to make us think about this. In fact, I would like to commit some hate crimes against this bill. If it's at all possible, not against people, not against sponsors, just against the bill, because hate crime is warranted against the bill itself. Uh, is there a bill number to refer to this, uh, Representative Hudson? If memory serves, it is House File 181. And I will uh, confirm that before I post anything, but this will be a, a high-ranking subject that's shot in the dark this coming week and uh, no doubt on the broadcast in coming weeks here. So, uh, so just so I make sure that I have the scope more or less fairly defined here, from the sound of it, what they're looking to do is not so much immediately take action, although I will come back to that in a moment. Let's put a pin in that thought here. But it's mainly to give them a, a, a basis of numbers 
from which to base future claims of victimization and uh, to, to quantify this so-called epidemic of hate that they're going to be talking about. Is that, that fair? It's mostly a, a counting mechanism rather than an action mechanism so far, uh, Representative Hudson? If you listen to the testimony from Commissioner Lucero, who uh, is the commissioner for the Department of uh, or for Human Rights, um, she's fairly explicit in her desire to expand the scope of the Human Rights Act beyond crimes and beyond um, civil discrimination, like in the workplace yeah. and housing and things like that, which is where it's currently. Currently, it has some jurisdiction, right? right. Like you can't just go out on a street corner and be like, oh, somebody was mean to me on the street and have that be something that's subject to the jurisdiction of the Department of Human Rights. But she wants that. She wants the ability. Uh, and certainly the author of this bill wants her to have that ability to get into every nook and cranny of Minnesotan society and start documenting what the left perceives as hate speech. Yeah. So I want to come back to that thought in just a moment here, uh, Walter Hudson. By the way, if you have questions for Walter Hudson on House File, possibly 181. I will confirm that here when I get a moment here. Uh, give us a call, 651-289-4488. Just to make sure, because when I heard Commissioner Lucero uh, referenced here, I thought, oh, no, this is no relation whatsoever to Senator Lucero. Very, very opposite no. sides of the coin, just to make sure uh, nobody gets the right idea out there. Uh, tell us a little right. bit about your your... Uh, your, your impressions of the motivations of, of Commissioner Lucero from the Human Rights Commission? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the personal motivations of the commissioner. Fair enough. And, and, you know, I stated that she wants this expansion of scope of her department. That may or may not be true. Certainly the author of the bill explicitly wants that because that's what the bill does. Right. Um, and, I, I would I would think that the vision, the, the implications of the proposed policy are that they want to expand the scope of state scrutiny into every human interaction. Yes. So they don't want anything. They don't want any type of human interaction to go beyond the gaze of the eye of Sauron. Right. Like he, right. They, they want him to be able to see everything. Um, and. Obviously, we know for a fact, and that's why I asked the question I asked about the Bible verse, is that they regard common, normal, average, everyday sentiments and thoughts and beliefs held by millions of Minnesotans as hate speech. It is, it is, it is truthful to say, it is a true statement to say that the left in Minnesota regards the Christian religion as expressed in our scripture as hate speech. There that, are, that is just true. The, there are elements of the book of Leviticus that uh, certain parts of big left, the big social left, has uh, would, would love to ban from discourse uh, straight out of the right. gate here, along with the rest of the faith. Uh, we got to take a break here real quick, Walter Hudson. Uh, Representative Walter Hudson uh, joining us to talk about what I'm referring to as the DFL's emerging social credit score. I, I don't think I'm exaggerating too much. If you got questions or comments, give us a call, 651 289 or join us on Twitter at hashtag Narn Show. Go nowhere. Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. 
Hey, don't forget, you can go on a 10-day adventure you will remember forever, the Stand With Israel Tour coming up this fall. October 25th through November 3rd, I go with Mike Gallagher, Dennis Prager, broadcasting live, hanging out with a bunch of your best friends. You will never forget this trip. Although, talking about it might be a thought crime in Minnesota before too terribly long. Register today. See the full itinerary at am1280thepatriot.com. Uh, this is going to be a great trip, by the way. 651-289-4488. Go to am1280thepatriot.com. Look for the Stand With Israel banner. Click and get on your way. We're talking with Representative Walter Hudson about the DFL's, I'm just going to call it the social credit uh, proposal coming up here, because if it goes through, there's nothing preventing it from becoming that at some point or another here. Uh, Walter Hudson, by the way, this is what, the end of week three in the Minnesota State Legislature? It feels so much longer than that. How are you holding up uh, as, as, as uh, the minority in the House uh, these days, Walter? Yeah, it definitely it feels like I've been here forever. <laughs> I mean, it really right. does. And the, the the stuff that we're being bombarded with on a daily basis, and that's part of their strategy, right, is to, to throw as much crazy, not just at us who are serving in the minority, but at you out here in the real world, throw as much crazy at you at po- as possible so that you just become numb and desensitized to it all yeah. and feel ex- as helpless as they actually want to make you. Yeah, just want to make it all go away as long as you pass it as long as you can just get out of here. No, I can totally see that. And that's that's exactly how it feels out here. Like you're like you're married to a like an abusive spouse, I think is probably a good uh, a, a good comparison. A bunch of phones. Phone lines are packed. Naturally, let's go to Invergrove Heights. Dan, uh, welcome to the Northern Alliance. You're on the air with Walter Hudson. Hey, Walter, Mitch. Um, so doesn't doesn't the uh, Bill of Rights apply to, to the states? I mean, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment or religion or prohibiting the free exercise or abridging the freedom of speech, yada, yada. I mean, doesn't that apply to, 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 to our state legislature? I don't know that I mean, recording speech is necessarily considered an abridgment of free speech. Walter, has anyone brought up any possible constitutional challenges to thought crime legislation? Yeah, there's this tiny little grassroots organization called the ACLU. Oh, good. That has come out that has come out in opposition to this. Wait, much what? to you know our our surprise because yeah. they are not frequently on our side. But even they look at this and say, um, "Guys, this is concerning." Um, because yeah, you're absolutely right. Does the First Amendment apply to all levels of government? Yes. The answer is flat. Yes. Hell yes. Yes, with an exclamation point, all caps, yes, it applies. Um, is recording speech, incidents of speech that are not crime, a violation of the First Amendment? I would argue, yes, it is, because the, the government, and, and it's also, I, I think, along with the First Amendment, I think potentially the Fourth Amendment would apply here. Yeah. Because it constitutes a form of investigation. When the government is documenting information, it is doing so for a purpose. It's not just doing it for fun. It's not doing it for no reason. It is a form of investigation. Yep. And you do not have a right to investigate me 
when I have not done anything that indicates I might be guilty of a crime. Absolutely. And by the way, they, I could see if someone were talking, if some were Republican, misguided Republican, were going to say, we're going to document the things that Minnesota Public Radio says on right. the air, that Minnesota Public Radio would be there with their lawyers hitting the legislature and the courts like the SAS going into the Bishop's Gate uh, embassy. Uh, uh, and, and rightly so. That would be exactly the same idea here. It would be, I think the term that the left uses and the media uses for similar thoughts is a chilling effect. Boy, can you imagine chilling speech any more than that? I, I personally cannot. Uh, thanks for your call, Dan. As always, let's go to St. Louis Park. Thanks. Mark, welcome thanks. to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. My call. Uh, uh, put comment and a question. I, it started to really had uh, uh, Commissioner Lucero stating that the, she wants to treat it with hate speech, which she couldn't define uh, the same as racial discrimination. And that, that kind of uh, piqued my interest. But the question I have for Walter... Walter, uh, the author of the bill, I saw you in the local uh, channel that covers the uh, the House. I believe you asked yeah. her to define hate speech, and my jaw dropped. She couldn't define it. Am I correct on that? Couldn't and or I'd like, wouldn't? I'd like you to comment on that. Thanks for your call, as always, yeah. Mark. Couldn't or wouldn't, Walter Hudson? I thought she did define it. Oh, really? I, I, I took I took what she said as a definition. What she said was, in essence. Anything that a member of a protected class says it is. Because her answer was, oh, right. you're right. She didn't give like a direct answer or she didn't offer like a dictionary definition. But what she said was, you don't understand. She chided. She was like, if you don't understand what it feels like to be oh. a, a, a subject to one of these incidents, then I don't think, you know, you, you should, you don't understand where we're coming from. If this isn't something that's happened to you, if you haven't, haven't felt it, then you're not going to understand it. Translated, what that means is it's the definition of hate is whatever she says it is and whatever, whatever any member of a protected class claims it to be. So it is a 100% totally wide open subjective term that means anything they want it to mean. That is their definition of hate. So this is like your workplace sexual harassment training. It's entirely in the eye of, of the of the quote victim end quote applied right. to state law. Boy, what could go wrong with that, Walter Hudson? Where this is this is the the death, at least it is hell, actually, this is this is this is a repudiation of the rule of law when when law is determined by the emotions of the recipient here, whatever they may be. I have to assume you may have tried to bring that up with if if anyone's going to bring that up with Commissioner Lucero it's got to be Walter what, did you have a response to that or were you just as gobsmacked as I am or as I was when I read it as as Mark did uh jaw well, flapping in the breeze this this is part of the problem down there Mitch is that this is supposed to be a democratic process a deliberative process where we have long and thoughtful and meaningful conversations about the the nuances of policy but with the governing majority that we have in St. Paul, they have structured things. They, I, I believe this may have been the committee where we had half of a, our normal amount of committee time that day because the okay. DFL majority had decided that they were going to schedule a floor session at a completely abnormal time that conflicted with our committees. And so the, and, and that committee process, by the way, the whole point of the committee process is to provide the minority with the opportunity to advise the majority. Yeah. And, say, and, and ask questions and say, hey, you know, what, what are you doing here? Explain this to us. Explain this to Minnesotans. And so there wasn't enough time to dig any deeper 
than we dug in committee because we ran out of it. Which committee was this, by the way, Walter Hudson? This was the public safety committee. Public, of course, yeah. And, and, and by the way, you get you get used to that after a while when you're under DFL control. I remember uh, going down to the legislature uh, in 2013, 2014, and of course back in the 80s and 90s uh, to to demonstrate before uh, for or against various pieces of legislation, and essentially having to have track shoes on to run around uh, to find where the next hearings were, because of course the DFL loves to play scheduling games and move things around. Change times, yeah. change locations, keep all those outstate rabble from being able to actually get in and get their opinions in uh, <laughs> conveniently or at all, quite frankly. So I know you have to move on elsewhere, Walter. Here's the big question. What can, I mean, against this sort of legislative onslaught with complete control from the DFL, what is it that we, the hoi polloi, can do about this? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to pay attention. Um, watch, look at my Twitter feed. Uh, uh, subscribe to my email updates. I'll be putting them out at least once a week. So if you go and Google Rep Walter Hudson, it should be like the first or second thing that pops up my official uh, Minnesota House of Representatives webpage, and you can sign up for my email updates. Keep informed. The media, aside from Alpha News and Mitch Berg and a couple of other folks, the media is not going to tell you what's going on down there. I will. Yep. Okay. So you're, you're going to get it in real time. That's how Mitch learned about this. It's my right. Twitter. Okay. That's right. You're, you're, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming this week off of the House floor um, from our debate regarding House File 1, the abortion bill. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to want to know about it. So oh. keep informed is step number one. Number two, you need to start organizing. You need to get involved with existing groups that advocate on issues. If, you, if there is no existing group on an issue that you want to advocate for, create one, fundraise for it, be serious about it, start a 501c3. The, the number one thing that I've noticed as in my opening weeks here as a legislator is that when we go into these committees, we get these research briefs yep. that break down the bill and tell us what it's about and break down the political aspects. And one of the things it tells us is here's the, here's the groups we know that are supporting this and here's the groups we know that are opposing it. And nine times out of ten so far, in the category of groups that are opposing it, it just has a little note that says no known organized opposition. That's the problem. That's we the- need people who are engaged and coming down to the legislature and letting us know that they oppose this nonsense. Absolutely. That's one of the big lesson of this last election, the debacle that was the 2022 election for Republicans here in Minnesota, is that we have to start playing the entire game uh, the the way the DFL does, only much, much better. In how we run campaigns, how we run elections, and how we fight the blocking and tackling in places like the legislature. And let me tell you, a, a session somewhere on how to set up a 501c3 and get groups started uh, to the way the, the way many of the most successful uh, conservative pressure groups have gotten their start would be a, a wise investment on the part of some uh, right-leaning pre- uh, group out there somewhere. I'll just put that out there. Hmm, ideas for the future. Walter Hudson, thank you very much for joining us here today. Uh, best of luck, and let's. Uh, <laughs> there will be much more to talk about this session, I have a hunch. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Bye.